Welcome to Grace Bible Church. For the next few minutes, we're going to be celebrating communion. This is a time that Jesus set up, a time for us to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances. And in Jesus' words, remember him. The last few weeks, I've gotten to spend some good time with my friend, Matt. We all have been praying for him. Our church is suffering along with him. And he asked me at about two in the morning to read the Bible to him. And you have the whole Bible to choose. And, and where did I go? I, I thought back and, and remembered a passage that had brought me such comfort like four years ago to the day in the hospital room when my son was diagnosed with leukemia. And I, I didn't know what the future would hold. But I felt like the foundation I was on was rocking. I just felt like all that I could see in that moment was my circumstance. And Matt, in bed without not being able to move, in pain, thirst, he wanted to get his eyes off his circumstance. And he said, Jake, read me the Bible. And so I, I opened to Luke 8, and that's where we're going to be for the next few minutes. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. If you don't have a Bible in your own lap, I want you to be able to see God's words for yourself. So oh, lift your hand up, raise your hand, and one of the men, one of the men will give you a Bible so that you can see God's word for yourself. So Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples. And he said, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Jesus didn't tell them what for. Jesus had a purpose in it, but it was a purpose they never would have imagined. Jesus didn't tell them why. This wasn't a weird thing for them. They were fishermen. They were used to going out on the lake. That's how they traveled around. It's the quickest way to the other side was to get in a boat and go. So they set out. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. So this wasn't a storm like any storm. These, these were fishermen. They were used to being out on the water, and, and storms are relatively common. But their response to this storm in particular, I think, highlights that the, they were filling with water and were in danger. It doesn't, if you don't think about that, it doesn't give you a, a full picture of what's going on. These are seasoned fishermen who are thrown into a panic in the storm. A boat filling with water out in the middle of the lake. They knew what that meant. They came to Jesus and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. What they could see was real, right? I mean, this is a, this is a real storm raging around them. And as far as they can see, they're in very, very real danger. And their master's there doing the unthinkable thing. He's asleep in the stern of the boat. 
think Jesus asleep in the stern of the boat is a helpful picture of what faith might look like in the face of even the severest trials. Right, Jesus, you might say, well, you're God. That doesn't count. Right, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus could rest, not only because he knew the outcome of this, right, but because he knew God. He was God, but he knew God the Father well. His soul could rest there. I wish I could go into it. There is a sweet theology of sleep. Spend some time in Psalm 3, Psalm 4, reading what David has to say about sleep. When he's facing the severest of trials, when he's being pursued by Absalom, and looks like there's no other way, but he's going to die that night. The Lord sustained him as he slept, and he says in Psalm 4, 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. Right in the midst of our severest trials, you know, it's not that you do nothing, but the, the calm in your heart reveals a lot, or the anxiety in your heart reveals a lot about what you are most aware of in that moment. And Jesus knew that we, we need our eyes regularly focused on him, right? If, if we just live our lives without periodically stopping, setting our eyes on him and remembering who he is and how he orders the universe, we'll be more aware of our circumstances than we are of him. Jesus was clearly more aware of God in this situation than he was of the storm, and he slept. He was God, and he had purposes in this. The disciples, on the other hand, came to him and said, Master, Master, we are perishing in Mark, it even says they, um, they basically question him and saying, do you not care that we're perishing? They saw Jesus' calm, his apparent lack of action in their circumstances as evidence that he didn't care. Or at least that was a fear sitting in their heart. And you know what, that, if we don't think well about Jesus, we can think, Oh God, I've prayed so many times for this. How many times have we, we prayed, God, heal Matt. Get me out of this situation. Help me here. And the answer isn't immediately forthcoming. And, and we might take that to mean that God doesn't care. But let me promise you this time of communion make sure that every week at communion as you put your eyes on Jesus and remember that he cared so much that he took your sin on himself he went to the cross for your particular sin if you would only put your faith in him you can't out sin his grace every one of your transgressions was heaped on him and God the father cared so much that he poured out his wrath in completion upon Jesus for you, for me. In his sovereign goodness, he ordered history so that he might bring forgiveness to us. And he was in perfect control at the cross when he did that, showing his perfect goodness and his perfect sovereignty so we can trust that in our greatest trial, that same perfect goodness and sovereignty is at work.
And if we say, Lord, Lord, say it in a way that says, Lord, Lord, it feels like I'm perishing. Help me. Don't come to him saying, do you not care? But let your response to him be such that you say, I know that you care. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, right? He, he woke, he rebuked the winds and the waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And then he went and looked at his disciples and gave them a soft rebuke too. And he said, where is your faith? This was a moment, this trial was a moment meant to reveal their faith and strengthen their faith. Your trials and my trials are the same. They were afraid, no longer afraid because of the waves, but they were afraid because they realized that the one in the boat with them had more power than those wind and waves ever did. They were afraid because they realized this one in the boat is very different from us. They marveled, saying, who is this then? He commands even winds and water, and they obey him. The one in the boat was God. So the one in the boat provided the calm. And now all of a sudden everything's in perspective. Their eyes, their mind's eye can see things as they really are. Right? There's no danger in the wind and the waves unless the Lord brings it. Right? And any safety from any threat The fact that you are here today means that countless threats were averted. And the same one who brought calm that day averted those disasters and brought you safely here. With your eyes fixed on Jesus, can you give him thanks for that right now? And yet those times when it seems like he is most out of control or things are most out of control, that same power that controls the winds and the waves is just as in control in those moments. You realize what it means when he says, he commands even winds and water and they obey him. What were they doing? The winds and the water were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do when he said, let's go to the other side of the lake. In the craziest trial in your life, in our life, and I love, I'm seeing Cameron, your your head going up and down. You have lived this. You've modeled for our church what it means to have this faith. Guys, the wind and the waves as they raged and they threatened the the disciples bowed to Jesus. There's not a rogue molecule in the universe. There's not a rogue cancer cell in the universe. There is not a rogue circumstance in the universe. And the disciples, Jesus said, where's your faith? It shouldn't have been. You should know better that you know you'll come through this safely. No, our hope isn't that, right? And it isn't, oh, you should know better because I'm in the boat with you. Our sovereign God, our Father and Jesus who sustains all things, he's just as present with us, ordering all circumstances as he was there in the flesh, in the boat. And guys, our Our calmness of heart isn't that we know everything's going to turn out great. 
calmness of heart is that we know that our good and sovereign God tells every molecule, every wind, every wave, every cell what to do. And when we look at Jesus on the cross and we look at the Father laying our sins on him so he can offer us Jesus' righteousness, when we see those things, we can't doubt his goodness. So Jesus was so gracious to give us a time when we're going to get a piece of bread and a cup of juice. Things that you can hold in your hand that call to mind this perfect, this good, this sovereign, this holy God who became man to, bring, to give you forgiveness, grant you righteousness, and bring you to him forever if only you would cast your faith on him. In the wildest storm, you don't have to know much, but you just know, cling to Jesus. In the face of your sin, just say, I don't have to make myself better. I can't undo what I have done. I can't earn your forgiveness. Cling to him. In the face of the greatest blessing, don't lose sight of the one who gave that blessing. Cling to him and give him thanks. Men, come forward and serve us. If you are not a Christian, if you say, I don't know this Jesus, I don't have faith, let the bread and juice pass. But you don't have to. Put your faith in him even now and take communion with us. And if you are a Christian, please take that, the cup, the juice, hold it, and then take it on your own as you're prepared. I'll come back up and close this in prayer.